Hey, welcome to the 156th episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing. This episode is brought to you by patron Amanda O'Connor. I'm Matt Enlo. And I'm Warren Kaplan, and today we have Sam Zwiebelman. He's the co-creator and director of Pen15, the Hulu show that is a smash hit. Yeah, it's a phenomenon. Pen15, for the uninitiated, is a show where Anna Konkel and Maya Erskine, they are women in their 30s, but they are playing 13-year-olds in middle school. And every other character, every other actor is actually, in fact, a a child, basically. So uh, it's totally hilarious. It's totally off the wall. They're pretty incredible. They're kind of chameleons um, and do an incredibly convincing job of being 13-year-olds, but they're still adult women with all of their adult perspectives. And speaking of adult women, when Sam came in here and I told my wife that he directed pen 15 she got giddy with excitement because her and her friends love that show so much yeah so yeah. it's, it's exciting thing. yeah my uh, favorite part of the interview is that we really hear about how sam unlike matt or myself really only works on things that he absolutely loves absolutely loves you know it's a trend that I, you know sarah dina smith kind of had a similar takeaway and i think it's a thing worth taking to heart sam really goes in deep about his process, how he comes to a project, how he cultivates projects, but he's very picky about what he likes to do. And so we talk about the ramifications of that and the upsides, the downsides, what that means to him in a real world scenario. So it's a great one. Sam's an old pal. It's really special to have him on the show, especially when Ben 15 is exploding like this. I should mention at the top of the show, the cinematographer behind the show is a previous guest, Andy Radzuski, Andy Riz, who's shot with both of us. We talk about him a lot in this episode. We will have a link to his episode in the show notes as well. Yeah, in general, I think we get pretty deep into like how to direct also, even though that's not like the primary focus of the conversation. And I think whether you're super technical or super artsy or in between, I think you'll really get a lot out of this conversation. So I'm excited for you to hear it. Yeah. I mean, recently people have been, seem to really be liking our show. Matt and I have been getting texts from people we know saying they're enjoying the interviews. So uh, it makes us feel good. So if, if you are liking any specific episode, feel free to email us or contact us or tweet at us uh, because, you know, it really helps us steer the show. Or even better, drop us a review on iTunes. Hey, speaking of reviews on iTunes, we got a new one. Bailey Studying Abroad says, So glad I found this podcast. It's a perfect balance of commercial and narrative-based knowledge and experiences. I've been trying to find my go-to film podcast for a while, and now you guys are it. Thanks for all your work. Hey, thanks, Bailey. If you're listening, Bailey, and you want some free Just Shoot It stickers, shoot me a a message on Twitter or, or email me. And I'll mail you some. And that goes for anyone else who is uh, posting a review. Just shoot us an email at Just Shoot It Pod. I'll send you a few stickers as a nice thank you because um, I've got a bunch of them. That's the, the sort of commitment I have and how badly my wife wants these stickers out of our apartment. <laughs> we have so much to talk about personally, but I think Matt and I are going to do a, a, an episode just about that because uh, we have so much amazing stuff from Sam's Viebelman. But before we talk to Sam... I think it's worth reminding everyone that we have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash justshootitpod. If you want to support the show, throw us a couple bucks. Um, a buck a month means a quarter an episode. Surely the show is worth that much to you. Maybe it's worth four bucks. Maybe it's worth 20. Um, we're working on some very cool swag coming down the line. Patreon is the way to be the most plugged into our community. Um, and also shows your support in a financial way, which is a pretty big deal for us. It keeps the show afloat. We're investing a lot in the show lately, and it's thanks to the Patreon. So if you want to help pay Jay, our editor, she's been editing every single episode for kind of a while now. We're investing more in outreach for the show, a little bit of marketing, all of that hosting, all of that stuff adds up. And uh, honestly, the Patreon has given us the freedom to experiment in ways that are really exciting and are making the show even better. So thanks. Well, without uh, further delay, let's hop into our conversation with Sam Zwiebelman, Pen15. So Sammy Zwiebelman, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thank um, you so much for having me. This yeah, is so fun. Old yeah. pal, right? Yeah. So Sam, you um, most notably right now, you're the co-creator and director of four episodes of Pen15. But before that, yeah, what's your resume? Give us, give us the IMDb. Well, this is the first show that I co-created. Um, and it's the first show that people have seen. 
<laughs> I've done plenty of work that no one has seen. That is my follow-up question. Oh, for real. You're in good company. And no one will ever see. And, uh, you know. Um, so you did the show Take My Wife for CISO. I did a show called Take My Wife, which is a half-hour comedy drama for CISO. It now lives on stars because CISO went oh, down. Oh, that's cool. Congratulations. Uh, we have Go90 shows. No one knows what happened to those shows. Yeah. Wait, CISO these... is NBC's digital that's platform? Right. That's right. Very low budget, very challenging, but it was my first big sandbox for me. Right. It was and it's half kind hours. of like a cool, so it's about a married couple of women stand-up comedians. Uh-huh. I feel like it's, and it was a few years ago, right? Yeah. So I feel like kind of one of the shows that was paved, paved the way for kind of the type of shows that we are seeing today that are just like Well, there are a lot of stand-up shows. Well, not just the stand-up, but like, kind of the interesting like gender and yeah. orientation it's like post kind of... louis pre-crashing <laughs> <laughs> yeah take yes. my wife right? that's exactly right that's where it'll fit on the history books well i'll say this though i got the emmy screamer there's screamer emmy screener for take my wife and it's like a little like pop-up book well i think it they spent more money cool. on that pop-up book than they did on the show when i saw it i was like oh i bet he's pissed it's <laughs> <laughs> like could have used uh some of this pop-up money yeah, all this, uh, <laughs> shipping andy andy razutsky shot that with yeah. me as well oh that's um, cool um to be fair though you do a great job of stretching that dollar so you you can't tell that it is um i want you well i you... want to meet someone that does not do a great job of stretching the dollar do you think I mean, there are people yeah definitely I know, because I work with Andy enough, I have a sense of, like, what you guys didn't have on those shows. Mm -hmm. Because you'll be like, oh, boy, I'm so glad I have this on my commercial for Miller Lite or whatever we're doing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. um, you can't tell, I guess, is what I'm getting down to. Well, it does create a set of rules Mm -hmm. that you can then be creative within. Um, It just makes you... um, Sorry. For, For instance, what do you... Yeah. I'm trying to think of something specific. But Maybe you have like a limited set and you have to shoot it in a creative way or something. Like certainly, you know, you're not going to see any cranes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're in tight real locations. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's not a ton you can do with wide shots. It's just an overall approach to things, right? You're throwing things out before you even... You, can, you're, you don't even allow yourself to imagine right. what a bigger scope would be. Right. But, you know... I guess that's all I was used to up mm-hmm. until then. So it feels very natural. Mm-hmm. Like it's okay. Right. Um, I just wish it weren't so stressful. <laughs> and you're you're working people hard. Yeah. And you're taking people like Andy or people you've worked with and asking them to break Push. their asses yeah. again <laughs> for yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> but you're working on something that you feel is good. But you have passion. So yeah, you know, I, I care, you know. Um, I want to be you know, uh, cracking the whip if I didn't believe in it. Which is what is something that Matt and I were talking with you about before we started recording, which is like you, if you choose a project that you're like super stoked about and passionate about and everything, it's like, it's not that you can pay people less or whatever, but you can kind of be a team making like something that people will like, as opposed to everyone knowing the script's not that great or the talent's not that great or, you know, in commercial world, like the client is not letting us do all these cool things for legal reasons. Yeah. Yeah. You hope that that's infectious. Um, and if you believe in one another and you know that you're going to have other work together and mm-hmm. you know, you're going to want to prove yourself in the trenches together, then you're going to show up. Um, or if you've let them down and aren't doing that, then they can smell that too. Mm-hmm. Like if Andy felt like I was phoning it in, mm-hmm. that would give him and his crew a sense that they sure. can phone it in. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Are you carrying a lot of your crew members over from project to project? Yes. Uh, some department heads for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, you've, you've gone to hell with them mm-hmm. and, and you, you've come out the other side like Andy many, many times over. Um, done so much with him and mm-hmm. will continue because he keeps doing amazing work and having yeah. such a positive attitude. Yeah. I, I think that's the thing that maybe, um, not just to kiss Andy's butt, but like in general crew members, Let's, he deserves it. <laughs> sure. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, attitude goes a long way basically is, is what mm-hmm. it comes down mm-hmm. to. And so, um, when you find people that you gel with creatively, who also, you know, engender the same sort of spirit, 
then you can accomplish incredible things. Yeah, you hold on to dear life for those people. You show up for those people because they're going to need help too. You know, like let's say you believe in someone <clears throat> and they have, uh, and you want to work with them for your whole life, or you can just sense that, which I have over my short career. And they have like a script that they want you to read or something. You're going to make sure you're bringing it just as hard mm -hmm. and giving feedback and helping them mm -hmm. because they've done it for you or you're going to want it from them. And it's just going to be a lifetime of that, hopefully. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, have you guys ever worked on something where you don't love the script? I mean, I know you have, Matt. Have yeah, you? oh my God, so many times. I don't think I ever have. Not in the directing role. Um, oh, I wow. am very picky. And sometimes that... <laughs> um, sometimes There's that makes it hard. There's a lot of spirited debate. <laughs> There's got to be either I love the script or I love the people involved. Um have you ever taken a job for a paycheck? I took a writing job for a paycheck. Mm -hmm. I wrote, I took a, um, like a studio feature film writing job. Oh, I don't think I knew this. Did you e tell me? That? No, yeah. I had, I had, um, it was like, it was a kind of a studio comedy, mm -hmm. uh, that I just, it wasn't, it was a great opportunity. Mm -hmm. It was, it was like a real paycheck. Mm -hmm. a studio job, an opportunity to prove myself in that space. And I write, so it was like an opportunity to grow that. But it was not um, totally the right fit for where I was at creatively. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was a totally fine experience, but I don't think I want to do that again. Mm -hmm. um, How did you get that job? They read your I specs? Yeah, it was a spec script, and, that, and then they... We're like, oh, this is great. Can you? We don't want to do your movie, but can you do that to our movie? Mm -hmm. And I was, and so you pitch on it, and then I kind of, ugh, I don't know how I got the job. I faked my way through it. I was like, yeah, I think it'll be something like this. And they're like, great, we want you to do it. And I was like, what? Really? No, <laughs> don't hire me. I don't know right. what I'm doing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I did it. And um, but as far as directing, I don't think I've done something that I didn't really love. Yeah. That's so I don't think so I could. crazy to me. Uh, yeah. But I've been very poor. You don't do poor. commercials? You no. don't do... No. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so so I want to get back to this very poor thing, because I think yes, that is let's interesting. let's talk about that. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, because... I'm very poor. I think that it is easy. But not anymore. I mean, there's billboards for your shows at LAX. That, that's where the money is. I'm desperately drinking your wine right yeah, now, sure. just guzzling. Is that why you chocolate. asked me if you could shower here <laughs> after the podcast? <laughs> Yo, you got an Airbnb back there? Airbnb back there? <laughs> you didn't cool. even eat any of the chocolate. Have just have one piece. It's pretty good. I'm going to have that much chocolate. Um, <laughs> but, so, but yeah, so, so we've known each other for a long time. Um, you're very selective. And sometimes people don't talk about like having financial support right even on the show sometimes you know i kind of we have a hunch maybe that somebody is uh got hooked up got by hooked their up. uncle or yeah something. yeah somebody's got a rich uncle or something or, mm -hmm. and i want to say like everybody um gets dealt a different hand and like if you know someone who's wealthy and can kind of support you or, or finance your first film or whatever go do it right like awesome right like no one begrudges you the only thing that i would begrudge is like not seizing those opportunities, not taking advantage of it. You know, we went to school with David Ellison, right? Like one of the richest people in the world, but it's fine because he's Ellison's making son? Larry Ellison's son. Yeah. And he's making he's fallout. a filmmaker. Well, he's a producer. Yeah. Oh, okay. But he owns Skydance. He founded Skydance, right? So like all of the Mission Impossible movies, for instance, are him. Like he's in cahoots with Bad Robot. So, like, he could have just, like, coasted for the rest of his life, but he's making the movies that he loves. Great. Awesome. Um, but I think sometimes money is such a integral par part of survival and filmmaking. You can't just, like, make movies alone in your room the way you we wish we could. Do you know what I mean? If, if writing the script was the final thing, then great. That would be incredible. But that's not really the case for all of us. And I think you're such a fascinating person because you've made real sacrifices, right? You've been broke before, um, but it paid off. Do you know what I mean? Now you've got billboards for the yeah. show that you created. Yeah. All no, over I, I think about it. It feels surreal um, because I spent my entire adult life 
um, not going out because I couldn't afford to get a drink with my friends. And mm-hmm. then, of course, they are nice, so they'll say, well, we'll get you a beer. But there's only so many times you can do that yeah, before you, feeling like... you are like, a good hang, as they say. It, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you don't, like, I, I don't want to do that. And you feel guilty every time you go out for dinner and uh, you have to, you can't go on trips that people are going on. So there are social sacrifices um, and just, you know, using the same phone till it dies, the same computer till Mm -hmm. it dies. So um, it's either insanity. Mm -hmm. uh, Yeah, let's leave it at that. I think it's insanity. (laughs) No, no, no. Um, And it happened to work out. Maybe it's integrity is maybe another word. No, (laughs) gosh. Uh, I'm not like against a a paycheck job. I, by any means at all. Um, Because there's just no... It's not romantic to have like sure. a lemon in your fridge, you know, <laughs> sure. like capital R romantic and yeah, have yeah. like some sriracha that you're trying to get out, you know, yeah, yeah. like, uh, I just, when it comes to, were you film, doing that diet, the lemon? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's called diet. the integrity diet. Uh, um, I think I worship filmmaking a little too much to the mm-hmm. point where I can't do something unless I can totally see it or think I can do a really great job to it. Mm-hmm. I just want to know how to do. I just some some projects I wouldn't even know how to do mm-hmm. um, unless I really got it and I really felt like it could be awesome. Mm-hmm. So every project I've picked, it's because I felt like it had great potential, mm-hmm. um, and I felt like I could do I could add something. Um, this is a weird question to ask this deep into the interview, but is your main thing directing? Is that like when you say pick a project, you're talking about directing? I write, but I think my passion is for the um, putting together of a film, like the, uh, the making, the making, of, the editing, the mise-en-scene for lack right. of a less douchey term. Um, so running kind of... just. You know, the the sculpture uh, of it is what has always excited me the most. But I come from writing, and writing is all involved in directing just as, as much. Um, but I get really excited about the, the filmmaking mm-hmm. side the most. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's some there's a rush to just being on set and, like, collaborating with people and, like, but watching even, it all kind of come together. Yeah, like solving something in an edit is fun, yeah. too. Or getting that location... Yeah. That you, yeah, I you actually don't get. love shooting or prep. Uh, I like when it starts to work in the post. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sure, <laughs> and I'm you, like, oh, it, I'm, it worked okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. I that that all like is the sequence is fucking working, you know, yeah, and yeah. it's like moving and it's like makes you feel something. But the, all the stuff leading up to that is uh, so stressful. <laughs> yeah, there is a, sometimes you'll get the sleepless night where you wake up and you're like. Is that gonna cut? Mm, mm-hmm. Is that gonna work? You know, the good thing about directing on a show that you were a creator on is no one's over your shoulder. No mm-hmm. one's telling you that's not what our show is. So I could mm-hmm. do whatever I want, uh, whatever I wanted. Um, however, there's a lot of pressure to that. But like, you have your co-creators also, right? Yeah, but they're the actors, so they're not mm-hmm. really seeing what I'm doing. They're not on the monitor. Uh, yeah, yeah. not not necessarily. They so you're they talking about know. from like a technical point yeah like the approach the scene for example we had this scene um at the end of the season where a group of these 13 year olds are taking photos they're getting ready to go to a school dance and uh i thought wouldn't it be fun to do it from the point of view of one of the parents video cameras so Mm -hmm. it's all like a vhs Mm -hmm. and it's not written like that in the script it's just you know it's a a scene where you're getting ready uh, but this was my approach and I was like, oh my God, like, what if, what if this doesn't work at all? What if they stands hate it? Out? Yeah. What if they hate it? Or what if yeah. it just doesn't work? Or what if it's very distracting to what we've shot before? And, uh, oh, well, we're going to do it. And all of those things still worked out. Mm-hmm. So, um, that allowed me to trust those instincts a, a little bit more, but mm-hmm. it, it's a little bit frightening too. Did you have uh see I feel like if I was in that situation, this is like what you shouldn't do, but I'd probably try to like shoot it both ways 
and be like, let's get our Alexa oh over God, here and let's get to. our we had, we had VHS a, camera over here. We're shooting a magic hour and we had this location for an hour. So it was like, well, you had the location get one. for an hour? Yeah, yeah. And we had all these parents who are brand new who are showing up mm-hmm. um, and all these kids. And I hadn't talked about this with anyone because we didn't have really any proper prep time. So it's just me shouting to everyone what we're going to do. Literally, it was a very intimidating experience of... 60 people looking at me just saying what we're going to do. But at that point, you thought you were going to shoot the scene one way, like we've been shooting the rest. Nope. Yeah. And and, and to the actors who didn't know what the hell they were doing. And do you start it with like, so I had this idea that it would be cool. You just, you just, you're not giving them your thought process. You're just saying, okay, so this is what we're going to do. There was no time. It was very hot. Everyone was very angry. Because it was so hot outside. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was the it was the dead of summer in North Hollywood. Well, but do you pitch it to Andy, and he's like, "Oh, that's cool." Like Andy this, and I had talked about that uh, before, and he was all in. Okay. The one thing Andy pushed back on was, and it was very smart, was I wanted one of the extras who played one of these parents to shoot it to give it that bad quality oh, sure and he was like dp's always let me do it and he was so right because we tried one take with it. <laughs> and it was literally i don't think he he kept turning it off accidentally it was just the ground <laughs> so i'm like okay i'll let a pro I, do I it i do want more of the like that's my move i have two moves for like make it look real like make it look like it's not operated well and one is the run up into it so you start <laughs> on the ground and you run into uh-huh. it and the other is see a little bit of the boom yeah, yeah. And, well, that's how you make things look like they're shot by amateurs. Yeah, yeah. That's I think Andy's version of that was he shot a little bit of his his knee in shorts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah, totally. Like he, Just like the little, bad beginning. Yeah, yeah, but he was so right about um, making sure that he operated it and made the choice, and he understood what we were going for. Can, <laughs> can I tell you what normal people do that we don't do? Is they go crazy with the zoom. <laughs> yeah, like always zooming in and out. Yeah. 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 He went. He went the right amount of. I mean, he was a professional. Yeah, you yeah. know, he was like an actor. You know. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It situation. is acting in that it way. It is. Yeah. That's what we tell the DPs. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Sam, I want to come back to the idea that um, Pen Fifteen's a fucking hit. Like it's it's a very cool show right now. Like obviously you've seen the tweets of like I saw Andy Richter tweeted it out as like being mm-hmm. like celebrities. <clears throat> probably people who are more famous than that have tweeted about it. Who you you must know who's all you want me to name yeah, drop? Name, name yeah. drop. Yeah, I'm talking your Chrissy Teigen, your sure. Seth Rogen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your I I have a couple. Um, gosh, there's there's so many. Like yeah, I'm, and, I'm and pushing you, you to do it for sure. There obviously. there's there's a couple that I won't name because they were. I I don't even want to. I want it to be my secret. They're, that have been very cool. Barack Obama. Um, we can cut it out. I'm waiting for Bar- I'm ra- waiting for Barack Obama to see it. That would be the best, right? There's been yeah, there's been this amazing response, which was absolutely shocking to me. I yeah. thought no one would see the show. Yeah, yeah. I want to know. So you're you've got a very buzzy show. It's the unpaid endorsement, unprompted of our a previous episode with like a high powered producer, like scripted development, fiction at, and nonfiction, fiction and nonfiction. Thank you at Shondaland. Was like, oh, I'm obsessed with this show. Has it changed your life? Yes, it has. Yes, Uh, it has changed my life because as hard as it was to make it, I can now walk around knowing that like, first of all, we were very proud of the work because we worked, we brought it. Like no matter if no one saw it or if it was got good reviews, we knew we brought it. We knew we brought it really hard. Everyone killed themselves, um, every actor, every department. So I had that, but now no one can take it away from me. No one can, like, I can always say I was involved in a show that broke through in some mm-hmm. way, mm-hmm. whether, no matter what happens. And, and frankly, um, I might never do anything that connects in the way that Pen15 did. I, I might do stuff that I think is better, mm-hmm. but I mm-hmm. could very well um, never have anything that that touches yeah. so many people at once and so that's a, a really cool feeling it's very strange but that's um, kind of to me it doesn't matter again if you do that because i kind of feel like there's this is an insane generalization but i'm just gonna say that <laughs> like two types of filmmakers kinds. 
There's the ones where you're like, yeah, I did this show. It's called Take My Wife. It was on CISO. Oh, that's like this NBC digital platform. But now it's on Stars. You can watch it. And it was on Netflix. Like, the, or there's the one that's like, I did Pen15. And they're like, oh, I love that show. Well, it's a, it's, <laughs> or, it's or the, I've heard of it or no, something. No, no. It's, right? the, it's, it's a show called Test. You don't say <laughs> right. it's a show called Friends. It's a show called Seinfeld. You say Seinfeld, right? That's this right. is I'm, I'm I also this. did this is a Seinfeld. I created Seinfeld. By the way, I <laughs> yeah. should also. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sammy really bootstrapped though. <laughs> um, no, but there's like it doesn't matter if the next ten things you do nobody sees. You could still That's people right. still know. That's right. I'm very very very. Um, it's very nice, and and then you know it's nice when you're you can kind of read your friends and if they like actually like it or if they're just being polite, which is what you do most of the time. And then you hear people you admire respond it, and you hear people from all over the world have a reaction, and that's just crazy. It's absolutely crazy and so thrilling and unexpected and just surreal. Has it affected? I'm going to go straight for the jugular. Has it affected your career? Definitely. You, yeah. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. I, I, um, you have two lemons in your fridge now, I hope. I have a, a new a fridge full sriracha. of sriracha. <laughs> it's a sriracha you haven't heard of. Um, it's literally called sriracha. <laughs> to be honest, I'm still dead broke. Um, I, but, but in in spirit, my friend, I'm I'm rich. But you're getting offered, right? Like Jacob, well, so Perlin, we, we your manager um, who only takes Jewish clients apparently <laughs> is calling you a lot. Um, well, I set up two projects that are going to go as soon as I um, either Pen Fifteen Season Two goes, or uh, I have a, a show and a movie ready that I had been working on for a long time before. Pen fifteen. Cause and that, when you say go, you mean like they're set up at a studio, yeah, like someone that will pay, yeah, to have them like made. one a TV show that um, last week we sold. Uh, oh, congrats! And congrats. that's Mazel I, tov. I, yeah, I, and I guarantee that's a huge part of that was someone, you know, was like I, I don't want to. What's wanna, the next thing from the yeah, Pen fifteen guys? Yeah. Yeah. Are you allowed to tell us anything about it? What network? Uh, no, how much money? Because where you're parking um, spot? <laughs> cast. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> um, that was a project I shot uh, a teaser trailer for. I always like to. I've always had success shooting something as a proof mm-hmm. of concept. Did you do that for Pen Fifteen? We did um, many, mm. many, many years ago. Orin is so stoked to hear that because yeah, because all I do is plan on shooting proofs of concept. <laughs> he wants to shoot proofs of concept, and we just did four episodes with development executives. We're like, nah. Uh, who were like, nah? Yeah. Well. In this case, it worked. Yeah. I believe the Zwiebelman method because <laughs> because it yes, if you have Pen Fifteen, you probably don't need to shoot another proof of concept to sell your next show. But if you don't, it strengthened it. Um, yeah. I, I still think that the it helped tremendously uh, the, from the feedback we got. Um, but it was also something where I didn't just do it on the cheap. I made sure it was the production value is top notch. Mm-hmm. So like the same of, value at production value as the show definitely. would actually have. Uh, mm, maybe not quite that level. What about cast? Cast. I, I this is a project that I um, co-created again with another actress. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, t- I I do that. So a, that a lot. so the talent that would that you're presenting the real actual talent. It's not the, the one, one in this yeah. case one. Are you allowed to tell actor. us the actress? Her name is Tara Samuel, and she is a Canadian actress who I've worked with before, and I can't wait for everyone to discover that she's like the next Tilda Swinton, Frances McDormand. She's, you know, closer to middle age. She's older. And how do you find these people? I'm friends with actors. I love actors. Um, no, do so, I go on misconnections? Is that yeah. what you said? <laughs> no, but do you, so you have actors that you're fan, a fan of and you say, Hey, let's develop well, we something together. I guess so. Yeah. Like, that or was the case with an Anna idea. and Maya. They, they, we all were just hammered out a bunch of, you know, ideas till we landed on one that clicked and that's kind of how it works. Um, so you like literally say like, Hey, let's get together in a coffee shop and let's just like come up, brainstorm ideas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's it's that kind of fundamental. So it's not it's not coming from like, oh, I had an idea that's right for these two. People. No, no, um, no. It's just letting the idea fairy sprinkle her ideas on us. 
So it's more about the it starts with the people. Mm-hmm. People cool. I think are really talented who I want to work with. Right. And that's always been how I've gotten anything going is shooting something with them and shooting it, you know, really well, because I think that people don't have an imagination for sure. what it could yeah. be, what the potential of a project could look like. If you, if it looks shoddy, they might think that that's what their show is going to be without some more money. So I, you know, that's another reason I've gone broke is I've put so much on credit cards to amp up mm-hmm. a proper project that <laughs> I've gone broke on sure. Wait, to, can we, to prove it. Can we dig into that for a second? Yes. What, what do you, is something that's shot well? Is the type of camera, the location, the size of the cast, color correction, what? You know, it's, it's trying to not make something 80%, but trying to make something 100%. And that means everything across the board. Now, I certainly can't afford all of that, like a sound mix and a proper color section, but I will go as far as I can before people are like pumping the brakes and being like, no mas, or Mm -hmm. you're not paying us enough. Um, So I will... you'll get like permits and... But it's all, yeah, yeah, yeah. All that stuff. Uh, Well, locations, you're... you're, I've been stuck with like, you know, that's the one thing I can't afford, uh, stuff like that. But I will edit myself, and so that makes it easier um and i'll know what i'm shooting i'll know i've written it and i'll be able to shoot it and i'll be able to edit it and are you picking scenes that are within your budget or are you like well you know what i've got this football scene i really want to shoot i'm shooting within a but within a reasonable budget for sure um but yeah i mean um you just try to push it in every way you can and and i think that's the thing that's paid off and Uh, are you trying to like show scope with these things too you're trying to show the world and the tone um, and just make it kind of kick ass. Like for like the, the, the show that I just went out with, it's a minute long trailer. It's very mm-hmm. short. It's very digestible. It's not a whole, they don't have to sit down for very long. It's got a good little song in it. Hopefully I'll be able to talk about that one soon, but you know, these things take so long. Sure. It's like, um, Lawyers and lawyers and things. I I feel like they do one letter at a time and then send a pigeon out with the next letter. And And do you already have like your Facebook post ready to go? Like as soon as the news (laughs) is public, I've deleted my Facebook. Um, Facebook too expensive. Yeah, you have to get rid of something. It's too expensive. (laughs) Um, Um, But yeah, I think that's been my strategy: is like go after things that I know I can do a great job with, mm -hmm. with people that I think are great and do it very well. And sometimes it takes a really long time. Um, but now it's starting to bear some fruit mm-hmm. and it's either reinforcing my insanity and, uh, or it's has nothing to do with what I shot. And it's, you know, it, it could be <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> any number of reasons. Um, you know, it's funny cause I think we had Carrie globally on, I mean, she said the same thing you're saying, which is a proof of concept nine times out of 10, is a shitty version of your project. Yeah. 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 So, so you're just I saying, try, just I try to just version. not make the shitty version. Yeah. Uh, because right. if it did not turn out, I just would bury it and just mm-hmm. choke the losses. Right. So, so how, cause I always have a hard time, uh, even like in smaller stakes circumstances where it's like, okay, I just shot this thing. Where do I put it on my website? Do I put it on my website or not? And I'm always sending it to Orin. I'm like, is this actually good? Like I can't tell. And you have to be really hard on yourself. You have to be really honest with I yourself. I just have like a pre-typed out email that says no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Actually, Gmail suggests yeah, it. <laughs> no, you should just pack it up. Just go find a house in right. Portland. Um, they should have like a Hollywood version of Gmail suggestions. <laughs> how do you, how, is, is it just your own internal barometer in terms of? In terms of if it's good. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I really... Yeah, I suppose it's instinct. I just really believe in the 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 person I'm working with, uh, talent, and I just won't stop unless it's until it's good. Mm-hmm. Like, and I don't do a lot. I don't do a lot of stuff. I don't shoot a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't take on a lot of. I don't do these. I don't have enough for a website. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't have a massive amount of footage. Mm-hmm. I just really hone in on exactly the project I want to do and like, uh, relentlessly chase it. Yeah. You know, um, I think maybe we talked about this with Andy 
on his episode actually, but you guys have a thing you call bold choices. Um, do you want to elaborate a little bit on when you yeah, think of I mean, what, that's kind of your guiding <clears throat> philosophy, right? In terms of, I mean, that's an Andy phrase, um, sure. but it's nice. To, like, uh, bold choices. It just means, you know, he talks a lot. Andy talks a lot about um, how there's so much stuff out there. 600 shows at once, that many movies, whatever. How do you stand out? Mm-hmm. And how do you make something just feel different? Uh, a, that's what I want to do as an artist is do something that hasn't been seen. And B, that's, I feel you, you kind of almost have to trust that that's people, what people want. Mm-hmm. And a big part of that is like, yeah, you can take the, um, the anecdote about shooting on VHS tape. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a choice. Maybe it's, I don't know. That doesn't sound very bold. I mean, um, sure, but, but it is, but not it's just standard making coverage. It's right? not standard coverage, standard coverage, um, you know, in Pen15, there's so much that happens at Anna and Maya's locker. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're shooting, gosh, the 10th episode at a locker. And how many ways can you shoot sure. two people in front of a locker? Five. And it's five. That's right. Uh, and so I was like, man, there's got to be a sixth. And uh, so, oh, you know. inside the locker. Didn't think about that. And it, <laughs> it's inside. <laughs> and it's Andy getting inside of a locker. Yeah. yeah. Stuffing him inside a locker. Um so like I'll just be craving, like I'll be dying inside if I can't, if I have to shoot it the same way. Uh, and so, okay, well, what if, what if Maya opens her locker and we're on a close up of her on her mirror and she's singing her to herself to start the scene? And so we'll do it that way, you know, just to, uh, even if that doesn't land in the scene, to kind of get the creative juices going mm-hmm. and feel like. We're at least trying to do something different. Um, so, yeah, and it's nice to have someone who's a who's one of your main collaborators who's pushing for that, mm-hmm. you know. Um, Can I ask, when you are in your brainstorming stage and you're, you, want, you know you don't want to shoot a locker in the normal way, like the boring way, do you lo- watch other stuff do you try to reference things you get inspired by other locker scenes i in that case it was just improvised in the moment i was just like ugh, you know we're almost done with this shoot really are we going to do it like this and we came up with that on the spot um and then i have um a lot of like i rewatch the same movies over and over in my life so andy is used to me sending him lots of clips of martin scorsese movies or you know like the same like he knows my my taste, and I'll just send him videos, um, and we'll just try to do what they did. We'll just steal. But when it's done in a different location with sure. different actors, it suddenly becomes fresh feeling. Right. Or it's even like a comedy just, now, even though it was right. a... Exactly. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. a Scorsese film. Yeah. So I'm just stealing, but it feels different because it's in, within a different form. Yeah. I heard there gonna make that illegal soon so yeah well i'm out of you know i'm screwed because all i do is lift <laughs> yeah. um, a lot of good fella shots and there <laughs> i can't tell you how many there are there okay. are, i'm not joking yeah. like we no one would know that you know our ninth episode is in, completely inspired by the work of ozu mm-hmm. you know so we're putting is ozu one of your guys he's not but <clears throat> but there is a film of his that reminded me of the plot of one of our episodes that no one would ever pick up on. And so, uh, but it's just a little something for Andy and I to like latch onto and give it a feel. So you're just like two camera heights and that's it. Yeah. It's, it's a low, you know, uh, it's, it's a very, it's like on the camera on the floor. Yes. You know, seated and standing, right? Tommy, uh, mats. And I don't even know if he does the standing thing, but it's a certain size of like a medium, shots that i would be constantly looking for and be like i know we've shot every other episode this way but this episode is the ozu way yeah just get we call the the low zoo let's get low (laughs) zoo shot you know you know you didn't go to film school when you have no idea who ozu is i could thought it was a sauce it does not matter (laughs) no one no one's ever gonna know or care um it's just fun it just gets you through the day (laughs) maybe it gives you something something different yeah no that's awesome um, I mean, you know, Matt and I, 
Matt and I do a lot of commercials and a lot of work on a lot of things that we feel like we maybe we don't love the script or we're limited in some way. We have, I think, I don't want to speak for you, Warren, but I have the problem of like, well, I'll make it good. Yeah, yeah. or I'll do the best version yeah. of this. Oh, I'm sure yeah. I'd be the same. Yeah, um, for sure. But how long was it between film school and Take My Wife? Probably close to 10 years. I had made other stuff that had gotten me going and it got me attention and gotten me yeah. like a development deal. Take like My Wife stuff. didn't fall in your lap. Yeah, like I had made a web show to get me that job. That was um, what was that? Got passed around, and that was a show that again Andy shot, and it was called Little Things, and it was a really breakthrough project for me. Uh, again, it was created by two actor friends of mine who were a couple at the time, and it was a show about their relationship. And each episode was showed a different part of what it's like to be in a long term relationship, but they were a minute long, and I thought that that was brilliant. Uh, just to do very to short things. Um, Little slice of life. Yes. Right and there. I had written and helped make indie features. And it was very hard to get people to watch that. But what was super easy to get people to watch is something that's a minute long. And that was, I just thought that was such a great idea. And we could do it really well because you didn't need, I, could, I couldn't really milk that and make everything look pretty good. And, and made really well. And so people would watch that, and that got a lot of attention. But just to clarify, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Little, thi- little Things right? mm-hmm. little things went what I call Hollywood viral. It did not go... Well, it's never been seen, and the reason of the, yeah. the, is, is because the couple who wrote it are no longer together, and so they... They've um, had a falling out. They've oh, yeah. it. So, 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 uh, so that's incredible. So you got, <laughs> essentially you got zero views. Zero and, views, for sure. No one knows yeah. about it. No one will ever see it. And it's very sad because I'm very proud of oh, it. Then I don't know why it sounded um, like I've seen it before. But yeah, it got passed around just as examples of all of our collective work. Mm-hmm. And we got Reps offers and... to make it as a half hour and kind of went through that process. But because... <laughs> These two people who are so dear to me, they broke up. And so that project kind of like, even though I've done kind of bigger projects, I, I adore that one, but it won't be seen ever. <laughs> yeah. But just to kind of clarify, like, it's not important that um, thousands of people or millions of people saw it. It's yeah, just apparently. the right people. The yeah. right yeah, 200 the, maybe, people yeah, saw it, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 Um, it's very true. Um yeah, I guess you don't need. I've never had anything go viral or seen even a thousand times, probably um, outside of Pen Fifteen. Yeah. The CISO. Take I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> so, search, sir. Sure, a thousand people had CISO. When, um, when the there was that bubble going, my party trick was like, okay, everyone here is making their living off of Go Ninety CISO, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's right. That's right. And I would be like. Uh, how many of you are paying subscribers for any of those? And no one would raise their hand except for CISO. CISO was the one thing. Look, it's a self-selecting group of comedy nerds, but like CISO was the one I had a few friends who paid for. I paid for CISO. Well, I did not. And it was a great opportunity and it was very hard to do. But um, but yeah, I guess you need the right people. Yeah. Go 90 um, was free, by the way. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, Go 90 was a whole, like, that was a whole industry, app, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, R.I.P. R.I.P. Let's pour one out. Well, I guess what I was getting, what I'm kind of getting at in a roundabout way is that. Ten years of. Yeah. Ten years. And, and you, you have things parents that kind questioning of. questioning you. And yeah. 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 Broke through to Hollywood and you got people yeah. are interested in you. But yes. your grandma is still saying like, I looked in the entertainment section of the yes. newspaper and there's nothing about you. Yeah. You talked to my grandma as research before this. <laughs> yeah. We, no, all our it's, grandma's saying that. it's, um, you know, yeah, you have, you have people who are doubting you and your own family and people think you're crazy and you think you're crazy. And so how do you keep going and not take like a development job or go try to write more studio films or chase that? like the money stuff where you're like, it might not be my dream, but at least I know I'm good at it and I can do it. I think I, I, whatever reason I just was not going to give up. Um, and I always felt, um, so I could make money from editing. I did, I did edit 
as a source of income Mm -hmm. and it was a great training for directing. So I could always do that. Wait, did you edit stuff you didn't like? Oh, everything. Okay, that um, makes me feel better. Yeah, no, 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 no. Everything, that integrity day no, was like no, driving uh, me nuts. Everything, <laughs> no integrity. Um, but yeah, I was a waiter. I was an editor. Wait, I, I didn't know you were a waiter. Oh yeah, I where did, did you wait? Um, the funniest place I was a server was a place called Islands. So yeah, so that, you had I some mean, survival. Jobs I I though, had yeah. to, I had to like yeah, yeah. I had to live off something, of course. Right. But when it came to like writing or directing, I was very precious. I just did not want to do too much. Um, I wanted to only do. I just had it in my mind. I only wanted to do things that I could do a great job with. Yeah. And you never wanted to be like staffed on a TV show or no, anything like that. No, never. It's not that I'm like I could. I just don't know. I, I don't trust that I would know how to do that. Mm-hmm. Like I just don't know how. Well, let me ask actually about Pen Fifteen, right? So you are a co-creator. You directed the last four episodes. Were you in the room? Like how? How did? Yeah. So it was the the room was uh, myself and my co-creators Anna Conkle and Maya Erskine, and we had one other kind of more experienced writer named Gabe Liedman, mm-hmm. and he had come from Broad City and Transparent, and he was a really great. Sure, and kind of a stand-up as well. Yeah. And a great stand-up. So he was kind of our experience guy, but it was did just you find us him? four. Or did yes. Hulu we, we interviewed a handful of people, um, read his script, really liked it, met him, and thought he was just kind of the perfect chemistry person for us. Um, and he was. And so it was just us four in a room with a writer's assistant. And we uh, wrote of them all, you know, to just... We didn't have a classical room. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't have enough money to do that mm-hmm. um but i mean it is an awesomeness show right i think there's a little bit of oh, like, awesomeness is the production company? well yeah, yeah. yes oh, I didn't so that. like their budgets are low right yes, like there's a low. it's easy to look back now and be like this show is incredible and look at the billboards and all the buzz and stuff but like you guys didn't know that it was gonna be a thing no it was really really the bare minimum money it was just us three or us four in the writer's room we had some friends um, write a couple scripts mm-hmm. uh, for us, uh, including our writer's assistant. So, yeah, very small team, wrote for 12 weeks, shot for eight weeks, edited, you know, this all at this time last and year. And how many episodes? There's 10 episodes. 10 episodes. So this time last year, we started the writer's room, mm-hmm. almost a year to date. Didn't have one break, one week off from writing to prep to shooting to post. Um and you're talking about two creators who are also the stars who are in mm-hmm. it, like every scene. Mm-hmm. And it definitely broke us. Um, yeah. And luckily we are all best friends or else we would have. Um, I'll be there. Yeah. There I would be, I would be in prison for murder right now. <laughs> <laughs> and are you editing? You're not editing yourself. You're working I am not editors. physically touching it. No, we had, we had editors, um, but we're in, you know, it's, it's the, it's literally Anna, my and I sharing a blanket on a very small couch in a dark room at three in the morning at awesomeness with our editor every single night. And the blanket is because it's, they can't it's afford kind of cold, heat. Because it's cold. And we, they, there, it was. They would leak. There was leaks from the ceiling. Uh, it was a very bad. <laughs> I you know, know. What, I, I'm it still almost, sounds glamorous to me. Yeah, I'm almost at the point where it sounds, um, you know, it, it does romantic sound glamorous like and a, romantic. Capital like R romantic. Like a lemon in the fridge. Um, um, yeah. How did you get the show? Like, how did you sell the show? It was, I'm trying to find the most interesting way to say it, but the bottom line, because it took so many twists and turns, we came up with the show idea about six or seven years ago. Oh my goodness. We found a producer in the Lonely Island. Oh, right. I was going to ask about that too. Who at the time had a deal to finance these pilot presentations. And when you say in the Lonely Island, is it one of the three Lonely Island guys? They have a company called Party Over Here, and their executive, um, his name is Billy Rosenberg. I don't know if you know Billy, but Billy was the head of Party Over Here, believed in, well, you know, even before that, I think it came before him, <laughs> to be honest. It. And how, how did you first get introduced to those people? How did you get introduced to it Party was, Over Here? It was um, one of my co-creators, Anna, her manager, was kind of pitching them projects. From what I know, and I actually don't know the full story, but they just kind of laid out a bunch of their projects and someone very smart was like that one sounds interesting they gave us money to shoot and that was five years ago and we shot a thing and is the law is the conceit of them playing 
13 year olds in the log line? Yes. Yes. It was always, it was always that it was always that they were going to play middle schoolers surrounded by other real 13 year olds. But then we shot the proof of concept, which further showed, okay, this isn't a sketch. Um, this isn't Jamey. This isn't American, wet hot American summer. This is like Dawson's Creek, except right. we're aware that they're not really 13 and like rated R and rated R. Um, right. And so shot that pitched it to everyone. Uh, Hulu was interested. They ordered scripts. And when you say pitch it to everyone, Lonely Island takes you around to pitch to everyone. We, yeah, they, yeah, they weren't like in the room with us. Like it was just the three of us, um, me and on my again, uh, going around and, uh, pitching it. People had seen the pilot presentation, uh, had take my wife come out since then. No. So this was well before this was, this was again four years ago. Credits. I'm doing no, air quotes. Basically. No, yeah. I you had, had little done. things. I didn't even, I hadn't even shot little things. Oh. This was that this long ago. This is how long things take sometimes. So we made it. Hulu bought it. Then years passed where we all take jobs and Hulu is people are changing jobs. Something about f- studios fighting over who owns it. Regime changes. Regime changes. Wait, Hulu bought it like seven years ago? They bought it probably four years ago oh, wow. three years ago it t- cut to like a year of lawyers working out contracts all of us having to take other jobs or not having to getting other opportunities being lawyers fighting business affairs people fighting over who owns the project or how much everyone would get um and then we got a call that billy rosenberg who is our producer is now the head of comedy at hulu uh, which is uh, kind of this amazing coup of yeah. like him selling the show to himself. So he said, okay, let's go. We're going to go do this. We wrote a couple episodes. Um, that was our deal. That makes so much more and sense. And then they're like, okay, now you can go to straight to series based on these two scripts. And can um, I ask a really dumb question? Like, how are you so good at writing comedy half hour TV shows? How am I? You, the three of you. I don't have an answer to that. I mean, that's like, I don't have know you done a ton of it? No, I mean, we just we had a lot of. We were just so inspired. We don't. We didn't know, you know, how to do it. You know, our drafts would be too long. You know, they'd be like thirty, forty pages, and um, trying to stuff that into a half hour, plus them improving a lot, um, which is a huge part of the writing. I had been writing my whole all up until then, you know, mostly comedy, but no, uh, yeah. Comedy, drama, dramedy. Um, I always call it comma. <laughs> so I had been writing, you know, uh, TV was new for me cause I had mostly written features thinking I wanted to be a feature film director and you get notes and you get feedback. And so I, I don't know if I, I wouldn't know how to answer that. <laughs> I don't know if I'm good at it, but uh, practice, right? Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, years and years yeah. and years, and getting other good people involved and their brain on it too. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, I guess what I'm trying to get at is like that. It's not just that you got lucky and you sold this thing to Hulu, and then the person oh, that helped yeah. you. Like, I had written 15 feature films over right. over that 10 years, like, like grinding away at scripts and lots of bad ones, and and you know, I had been nonstop. I've always been writing just because no one had seen it or read it or it had been made. I had right. been and working even though so hard. Features, like it kind of, yeah, you're still telling over. a story and you have characters and, um, uh, yeah, I've been working so hard at trying to get better at writing, uh, through that time. And so it feels like it's out of nowhere, but to me, I'm like, man, I've been cr- like cranking it out and grinding for 15 years. And your co-creators also have been mm-hmm. writing forever. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So then it went. So then it went. I mean, that is a real stroke of luck, right? Because I oh, feel yeah. like... Well, except it took seven years. Like, I it's mean, not... Like, it's it is and it isn't. Hard work, right? It, a lot of people didn't get it. Um, it's a stroke of luck that... No, no, no. That, that the person that believes sure. in your project all of a sudden becomes the head. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's major luck. I I think about there's so many moments of luck throughout the way that made it happen. 
Um, I hope it nothing ever takes that long to get going because that's sure. interminable. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, there's so much luck involved. Yeah. Well, the good news <laughs> is you had a couple of shows in between then, right? Yeah, yeah. Like I'm sure that your experience on Take My Wife informed definitely. Pen 15 in a huge way. Yeah, definitely. Changed enormously. So can you tell us a little bit about, you've made it all the way through Pen 15. Is there anything, are there any takeaways that you can impart on our listeners? People who are like, I want to make my own show. You know, we've learned a lot, obviously, but like, are there any like little nuggets? This is the Oren question. Always. Yeah, I mean, I believe in, in working with good actors and shooting stuff that's good i think that only because that's worked for me and i just think like find people you really believe in and just kill yourself for them and that's been what i've done and that's worked out uh so that's a that's a little nug that's and a then get yeah. andy to shoot your project yeah of course. Ooh, that's the secret <laughs> yeah we but have um... great actors do so much like as a writer i'm sure you know or a director you go in and you're like pitching and you just like want to die because it sounds so boring to you but if you get an actor to do it <laughs> and they can make them you yeah, know they can make people laugh and put on a story like work with great actors oh yeah that's, that's pretty smart it's uh makes cast it... your pitch yeah 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 you know there's two other podcasts that we listen to about filmmaking, respect the process, and making movies is hard. And at the end of each episode, on respect the process, like Jordan asks, uh, what does respect the process mean to you? And then on making movies is hard, I think Ulrich asks, like, is making movies hard? <laughs> um, but our podcast, we just ask people, like, give us a tip. And it always ends up being some form of the name of our podcast. So I feel <laughs> yeah. like it's like, <laughs> it's like the more sophisticated yeah. end question. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, cool. Sam, this was incredible. We could talk to you for another six hours. Ah, you guys are great. Um, Thank you for having me. Yeah. yeah. So nice. Hey, this hey is it's great. not over yet. We still have I'm... one more segment. <laughs> one more segment. Will you stick around and endorse with us, Sam? Yeah. Unpaid endorsements. All right. Orin, you got anything? Oh, I do. I have the best endorsement I've ever found, and it's probably only I care about it, but... <laughs> Sorry, I used to endorse like Adobe products like every episode a hundred years ago, like when we first started this podcast, because I just like love the Creative Cloud Suite. Do you, <laughs> what do you guys edit Pen Fifteen in? Avid. That yeah. was what Awesomeness had. So it was what Avid. really? Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Do you use Premiere too? I no, I was a Final Cut Pro yeah. Seven diehard, yeah, and yeah. now uh, I that is like obsolete on new systems, and so I sort of quit editing. Um, hey, perfect. How do you do your proof of concept? That was Final Cut 7 when I still use it. It's, Even the show you just sold? Yeah, because I, I had shot that and edited it before, right before Pen15 started. So oh, wow. right in the window when I could use Final Cut. It was Cut, still usable. It was still usable. And right after it was over, I, could, I can't even open it on my computer. Um, yeah, no. It's Devastating. And I just kind of don't want to learn a whole new software, although I heard yeah. it's like kind of easy if you know Final Cut. Yeah, Premiere. You could pick it easy. up. Avid sure. is, yeah. I, th- I don't yeah. think I'm as lazy. easy. Yeah. But so this thing has been happening to me lately where I'm editing in Premiere and then just like that spinning beach ball or rainbow of death or whatever you want to call it comes up and I wait like 20 minutes and it's still spinning and I look like when my last autosave was and it was like 20 minutes before this, I've lost all this work and I just like get depressed for a few minutes and then I just like force quit and then I restart and I just, you know, lost 20 minutes worth. So today, for some reason, I was like Googled how to autosave if Premiere crashed or if Premiere is hanging or something. I forget what I typed, but we'll put it in the show notes. And then this guy posted a video that like had the answer. Oh. And I tried it and it totally worked. It's like, um, this is going to be a very technical answer, but if you're in Premiere on a Mac and you get the beach ball and your computer's stuck, you go to, you launch activity monitor, you know, it shows all the programs you're running. And one of the columns it shows you is called PID, the process ID. And you look for the process ID of Adobe Premiere. And then you go to the terminal, you know, and you type in sudo, S-U-D-O space dash kill space dash all caps S-E-V-G. I know this is all meaningless, but I'm just telling you so you don't have to look it up yourself. And then space and dash and the process ID. I'm just impressed that you've memorized this. Well, because yeah, it's a lot like to memorize. Well, su- everyone knows pseudo and kill, right? Pseudo kill, that's how you kill. Pseudo means like. Yeah, <laughs> Sam, you know it, right? I definitely sure. know that, sure. So the no. pseudo command everyone. basically is just saying uh, 
this is like an admin level command, like only an administrator on this computer can do it, which doesn't mean much on our personal computers, but like on a big mainframe or something, it would mean something. And then kill is like you're killing a process. Um, and I don't know what SEVG does, but I think it has something to do with like the type of thread, whatever, it doesn't matter. But it basically will force Premiere to autosave your project and then it crashes. And then, and then force quits out, basically. Yeah, and then um, when you load it, you have your autosave, and it's like you didn't lose anything. I mean, that's anything. So actually amazing. And like, it, even yeah. if, I mean, God bless those people who make, make a YouTube those videos. Video. <laughs> like that's Seriously. so, and, and the, or say it on a podcast. Like that's amazing. That's yeah. a devastating feeling. I mean, even seven minutes. minutes. You know, when you're yeah. in the flow and you're like, oh, and this, this, and this sound, and this. Yeah. Ooh, this is yeah. work. Uh. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know, it just made me so happy and I was like, I'm going to mention this today. So, I mean, obviously you don't need to listen to this. You can just Google like premiere hanging, you know, and then it'll, you'll probably find this video. Pretty killer. Yeah. Anyway, what about you guys? Sam, you got something? What, an Uzo Uh, movie? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I'm just being a jerk. I don't know if I'm giving up any high-level secrets, but Andy and I do a thing, and I I don't. I, I'm wondering. By the way, we want high-level secrets. This yeah. is super high-level, and I and I am curious if he's brought it to one of your sets. Uh, he's but, mostly sleeping. But we that. have something called a PLC <laughs> on set, and mm. a, a PLC stands for post-lunch coffee. Oh, sure. And so yeah, yeah. we'll do a post-lunch coffee, but then we've evolved to uh, what's called a PLC hot slammer. Uh, which is mm. essentially when you don't have any time or, or, or it could be really hot outside mm-hmm. and you essentially just down a hot cup of coffee as fast as oh, possible sick. together. And, um, well, you, you have to do it together. You have to do it together. I want to, you know, you, you get the, sure, it's you, the, the ritual of it. The, the, it's the ritual. That's yeah. right. Um, it's the camaraderie, um, hot slammer. PLC, it's called a PLC hot slammer. Sure. And occasionally what I'll also do is if the catering has horchata, mm-hmm. I will add horchata <laughs> to my coffee. What kind of catering do you have that they happen to have horchata? You're talking <laughs> about the reason, drink. Yes, Pen15 had some horchata and I'd add it to the to my PLC and do a PLC hot slammer with Andy. And that's how you shoot incredible stuff. Now uh, to our listeners that don't drink coffee, is there a substitute? You're, you start drinking coffee. Yeah, that's good. Get your life together. I don't know how people work on sets, work 12 hour days plus commute times, and don't drink coffee. I'm I mean, really there's Red Bulls, I guess. Cocaine oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, as yeah, well sure. will yeah. do the trick. I think that's gone out of style. You know, I, I have a, it's not a PLC hot slammer, <laughs> but uh, if you can get espresso on set or if you can get like cold brew um, and you want to cut it with something, I will throw it into a lemon LaCroix sometimes. Oh, that's disgusting. I know that people find it disgusting. I get razzed for it sometimes, but uh, sparkling water is incredible with coffee. Uh, yeah. No duh. I forgot about you. And a lemon twist is also great. This is high level. Yeah. So if you're at a horchata, yeah. throw an espresso shot into it. try it. Because you're also trying to just like make it so that you don't scald your throat. Right. But I'll sip it all day. It's the it's the taste. Yeah. I, if it scalds, even better. You know, oh, yeah. it, 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 gives it me reminds you of the, the coffee the, the entire afternoon. Yeah. It's just like I'm ready to go. Yeah. See, I feel like there's two tips we give listeners. Number one is move to LA, obviously, and number two is drink coffee. I feel like, and yeah. if you counted the really tallied good. how many tips we give, what tips we give? Uh, no joke. Maybe the top two. We we just did. <laughs> we should have mentioned that at the top of the podcast, but we just both contributed to a, a no film school article. Where you like leave, you give tips like, oh, there's some top level directing tips. And mine is drink coffee on the way to set. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like before you get to set. Yeah. Because then you're ready to go. Yeah. That's so good. Um, well, my unpaid endorsement. Do you guys know Letterboxd? Have you seen yes, this? Yes, I do. Is that I, the film? It's like the, it's a film social network. Yes. And I'm having a good time with it. It's real fun. It's basically just like, it's like Facebook, but you're only like looking at, the movies that you're basically tracking movies that you watch. You can go back and like add all of the movies that you've, you know, watched your entire life or can be from this point forward. And there's fun ways to kind of sort it like, Oh, how many movies have I watched this year? And from what eras and all that stuff. Um, and then also people post reviews. And so it's just like a fun way to, um, keep track of what you're watching, which is always kind of pleasurable. And also hopefully I'm hoping that it will motivate me towards watching more movies. Cause I think that we're, as a 
culture kind of shifting into watching TV, which is also great. No offense, Sam or us. <laughs> None taken. I'm a I'm a film guy. You're a film guy, yeah. But so like Don't I watch my show. I want to go back into. I only watch commercials. <laughs> <laughs> so letterboxed, uh, no e at the end. Letterbox with a d. Well, Sam, how can listeners uh, find out more about you? Where can they uh, keep track of you? Well, I suppose, you know, I'm on Instagram. You can look up my name, Watch Pen 15 on Hulu. That's me, you know, more me than anything. We'll update listeners as uh, your stuff comes out, Sam. It was so great to have you on the show. Thank you so much yeah. for having me, very much. Um, if you want to learn more about the show and the things that we talked about, you can go to justshootitpod.com. We'll have all the show notes there. You can follow the show across all social media. You can see pictures of this podcasting setup even. Um, and we're doing a better job of interacting with you guys, kind of like dropping questions, um, learning more about what you want and what you like to hear. Uh, and you can follow me at Mr. Madden, And I'm on Twitter at SmiteyPileg and on Instagram at OKaplan. OKaplan, my Kaplan. This episode was edited by Jay McAuliffe, produced by Madeline Reswat. Our webmaster is Ewan Williams. And the music you're listening to right now is by the artist Jazar, provided by the Free Music Archive. Leave us an iTunes review if you get a chance. We appreciate it. And we'll catch you next time. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye.